Thank you for downloading this sponsored podcast presented by PR Week. For more podcasts, visit us online at prweek.com. Hello, my name is Mark Yuskowitz. I'm editor-at-large for MMM, and I'm super excited to be part of today's sponsored podcast with Weber Shanwick. Here with me today are Weber Shanwick's Global Creative Lead for Health, Peter Matheson-Gay, and Ty Winkfield, Executive Vice President, Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at United Minds, a Weber Shanwick consultancy. Peter and Ty, thanks so much for joining us here today. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to be here. Absolutely great to have you both. You know, it was nice to see Cannes Lions Health Awards roar back this week. And given that we're taping this podcast during Festival Week, we'll touch on some of the winners in the pharma and health and wellness tracks a bit later. But first, let me just set the stage for this discussion about how equity must figure in the future of health. The healthcare industry's journey to equity is at a watershed moment. The Black Lives Matter movement, which gained momentum after the death of George Floyd, combined with the COVID-19 pandemic, exposed longstanding gaps in global health systems and has left scores of people behind and without access to basic health care. Even as the world starts to emerge from the pandemic, the ripple effects caused by these gaps in health equity are felt in all corners of the system, including vaccination efforts to protect disproportionately affected and marginalized communities. Against that backdrop, I'd like to discuss the role organizations can play in driving progress to close health equity gaps. So let's just uh, start with the vaccine rollout. You know, the, the race to vaccinate is seen as perhaps one of the most, if not the most important goals to bring about the end of this pandemic. But in order to succeed in this moment, we must address fundamental health equity issues, including access to healthcare services, tackling vaccine hesitancy and availability of basic PPE. And from, from your perspectives, I'd just like to ask, what are the opportunities or even the responsibilities of brands in the health space to drive this progress? Great. No, thank you for that. And, and Peter, if it's okay, I'm, I'm happy to, to start here. You know, I, healthcare really sat at the intersection of the, the, the moment that you, you just mentioned, Mark. And health systems are just kind of one part in this bigger issue of health inequity, but the role that healthcare companies play in addressing the problem is, is a big one. Um, we know that you know, patients, race, and ethnicity has been shown to influence how physicians interpret and respond to their complaints. A recent session at Aspen Ideas, um, which included a panel of medical and health experts, showed that Black patients receive better care and are more engaged with Black doctors, and that the growth of Black doctors in the discipline has actually slowed over generations. Um, you know, and so tackling these types of systemic challenges really requires um, an untangling of knots that have been woven through generations, um, and really kind of developing a deep understanding of where brands can have the greatest impact. Healthcare organizations and brands that are, are committed to improving patient outcomes, they have to also be committed to health equity. Um, that's you know, part of their, their overarching mission. And so brands that really saw this current movement as a call to action uh, and began examining issues of bias and, and structural racism still, you know, unfortunately remain largely unaware of the inequities and disparities that really fall within their four walls. Yeah, Ty, I think that's super important, especially when you think about the narrative that's, unro- that's unraveled over the past year, right? So we had the George Floyd moment where companies did come forward, did make statements, did make commitments. And it was also in the midst of this pandemic that was going on all around us, right? And when the pandemic first sort of drove us into lockdown, we saw lots of brands getting involved in the conversation, 
you know, everybody from Grubhub to U-Haul were involved in, you know, these very emotional pieces about supporting healthcare workers and frontline workers, and then really sort of driving empathy around, you know, our own plight about being in lockdown and we're all in this together. And as the pandemic is now involved and now we're talking about returning to normal, um, a big part of that is making sure that, you know, vaccination efforts get out there and reach everyone. And I think what's lacking is that there are communities that do not have access to the same type of information about the vaccine and are therefore not getting the vaccine as quickly as possible. And I think brands that were involved at the beginning of the conversation need to be involved in the end of the conversation, which is getting involved in helping us solve this and um, getting us out of this pandemic. But of course, what's teetering in the balance of all this was the fact that it's health equity issues that are driving a lot of the problems um, around both vaccine adoption and vaccine hesitancy in the first place. Right, which are not going to get solved, you know, unless we take, you know, real deliberate action, right? And um, you know, it was this nice comment, Ty, that um, this was a real call to action for brands. And I expect to see, I think, especially um, in the healthcare industry, a lot of product launches um, and, and so on and so forth and campaigns really having that equity component um, and it's just being, you know, talked about more openly. And, and we can't sacrifice equity for expediency. You know, we've talked about that, especially in the vaccine rollout, you know, because then we're, then we're kind of feeding into the systemic uh, racism that exists that has exacerbated those healthcare gaps that we talked about. Let's talk more about hesitancy. The reasons behind it, obviously, medical mistrust from historical structural racism is a, is a factor to a large extent. So are social determinants of health, which includes all the inputs that ladder up to good health, right? From access to healthcare services and transportation to housing and food security. And in thinking about the impact that COVID-19 has had on public health, what do you both think have been the most important lessons as it relates to health equity? I mean, just to, to start, and, and you, you've sort of started touching on this, Mark, a challenge of this magnitude really requires collaboration across a multitude of different industries and, and sectors, right? Health inequities exist not solely because they're being perpetuated by the industry itself, um, and the responsibility doesn't live solely within the healthcare industry. Health inequities exist because of biases and inequities um, that have existed for generations within housing, within finance, um, as you mentioned, transportation, education. And so tackling these types of challenges that are all sort of interrelated and connected requires that we work together and collaborate to untangle the knots. And it really requires a deep understanding across industries of, of where organizations and brands can have the, the greatest impact. Yeah, I think uh, along that point too, Ty, is, you know, brands need to get involved and actually listen and hear what the real problems are and uh, under, understand the impact that they can have in the marketplace to really help solve some of these issues. So not only do they have to listen, then they need to act and actually do something um, to help rectify health equity issues and help get involved. And then they need to tell the rest of America about it and why it's important to do this type of work. And um, if everybody did something, if everybody got involved and, and participated, even in the littlest way, we're going to move major steps um, in solving health equity issues, which we absolutely need to do. 
I also think, um, Peter, to that point around transparency and, and talking about the efforts underway, it's also being honest about where there have been failures, what hasn't worked, why didn't it work, how are you recalibrating? I think there's so many lessons to be learned um, in the failures, even more so than the, the successes, so that you know other organ- organizations and industries aren't um, repeating some of those missteps. So sharing sort of all of it, being fully transparent about the, the good and the bad. It's a process, it's a journey. Yeah, and I think that you know, brands need to find their authentic opportunities to really engage. And if they do stumble, apologize, get out there, try again. You know, I think there's some hesitancy to get involved in the issues because they're complicated and controversial and challenging and hard. And, um, but that doesn't mean that, that people can be on the sidelines. They can be on the sidelines. They have to be a, a part of the solution. Yeah. And there were, I think, talking about uh, some failures around the Black Square moment, you know, uh, where, where we saw some uh, brands take some missteps there, if you will. Since we're kind of touching on what brands can do, you know, let's, let's segue to, to that. You know, creativity is a, a topic that's near and dear to your hearts. Being in the agency world it has the power to create progress through education, awareness, and in designing pharma products uh, or services with equity in mind. How can creativity make an impact with health equity? And and what are some of the creative sensitivities and considerations that brands should be thinking about? There's a responsibility there in telling accurate and authentic stories and really um, uh, being honest um, in, you know, how, what we create and how we create it to ensure that we're, you know, we're promoting equity um, for those who are receiving the the information that we push out. I think um, from a creativity perspective, we can also talk about what happens internally um, at organizations and and how they can be involved, both solving some of the elements inside before they get to the marketplace to solve outside. And that includes diversity in key areas of the company and finding ways to develop programs that are actually representative of the populations that they want to serve and be transparent about that and really recruit heavily for that. Um, and then I think there's a, a, a responsibility to make sure that health information is delivered to audiences in ways that they're ready to receive it, that they are open to receive it in the way that they want to receive it, the language, the, you know, the style. I think that that's something that creative can play a really big role in helping make sure that you know, information from brands gets into the right hands and can be activated the right way. Absolutely. It starts with that internal competency and uh, making sure that the marketing teams are reflective of the populations that you're you're trying to serve, right? And the, and the diverse fabric of this country. And then, you know, spreading outward from there, you know, should, should organizations um, or brands get involved in health equity? And if so, what role should they play? You know, again, and this sort of goes back to my my earlier um, response around this needing to be a collaborative effort, right? The responsibility does not fit solely on one industry or one organization's shoulders. So it's looking at um, that organizations that have been invested in and have been working and partnering with um, communities that have been disproportionately impacted and continue to be disproportionately impacted, not only during COVID, but across healthcare um, issues for, for quite some time, that have the relationships, that have the built-in trust already, um, that have that sort of loyalty, partnering with organizations like that to ensure that you're able to 
again, authentically reach certain populations, but you also are able to, to sort of better listen and learn about what those communities need, what their real challenges are. Um, and again, partnering together to ensure that you are best addressing those needs in a way that makes sense and that is effective. It's across industries. It's looking at um, community-based organizations, nonprofits. Um, there's such a, you know, a, a richness there that, um, that brands, you know, can, can absolutely tap into. And I think there's listening and then making sure you act. Like, that's the other part of this. So not just gathering the information from, you know, what audiences need, but what you could actually do to move the needle for change. And I think that responsibility lies in every brief. You know, I was thinking today about the work that I do in every single category that I work in, whether that's oncology, HIV, other spaces, there's a health equity issue that could be addressed by that brand, right? So I think that there's opportunities for literally every client in every space to be involved in a different element of this conversation in a meaningful way. So, you know, incorporate these ideas and into briefs, into like these strategies into your briefs, get your agencies to come in with ideas that, you know, move the needle on health equity, get involved in the conversation, get involved in, in moving this forward. I just think that as a collective, you know, force, there's a lot of power and a lot of money behind, you know, a lot of these different um, organizations and brands that can really have make a difference here. Yeah, we just, uh, as, a, as a publication, we, we wrapped up our Agency 100 issue this month. And uh, a lot of the agencies, as you would imagine, mentioned DE&I. And some of them went so far as to brand their DE&I initiative, um, mm-hmm. sometimes in response to clients, sometimes more proactively. And others just found that um, they didn't need to brand it and make a big deal about it. But they the, through their internal process, as you talked about, they just wound up doing more equitable creative. And I guess that, at the end of the day, that's where you want to be, right? But what, what is Weber Shanwick's approach to that? Do you brand it or is it more like kind of an organic approach? It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's organic. Our point of view internally and also in terms of what we share with our clients is that there's no one-size-fits-all approach to advancing equity and inclusion. And to Peter's earlier point, it has to be baked into everything that you do. Representation, having the right people at the table is, is absolutely a, a part of the work. Um, but beyond representation, if you're not... Uh, creating a culture that empowers um, those individuals to speak up that, you know, sort of sets this expectation that diverse voices assimilate to current culture, right? You won't get the return on the investment in building a diverse organization, right? If you're not um, enabling a culture where diverse voices and people have a seat at the table, at decision-making tables, right? You're not going to really kind of, um, again, reap the benefits of having a diverse culture. So representation is a piece of it, but the inclusion, the equity is core. And it's, that's, you know, how we're approaching, we have been approaching our work at Weber Stanwyck, both in terms of how we serve our clients and also how we advise our clients. Um, and it also requires that you kind of shift holistically how you operate and behave. Um, and this is, you know, sort of goes back to my earlier point and looking at all of the areas where biases exist, where inequities exist, and almost dismantling and rebuilding um, your practices, your policies, your systems, so that you're able to serve clients in a way that's equitable, but to also counsel your clients in doing the same. So we are 
heavily focused on walking the talk in terms of operating as an agency in the way that we're advising our clients operate as they run their businesses. And in that spirit of sort of walking the talk, if you will, it wasn't enough for us either just to have this conversation internally with our clients. We actually wanted to get involved as well. So we've actually committed a million dollars of our time and resources to um, fight racial inequity um, and injustice. And our first real moment that we're focusing on um, is in the health and equity space. And we've partnered with um, Civic Nation's Made to Save campaign, um, which is actually dedicated to ensuring that the communities that were hardest hit by the pandemic, namely BIPOC communities, um, have access to COVID-19 vaccines and accurate you know, information that's timely. We want to be in this too. We want to be a part of this change, not just tell our clients to be a part of it. And I think that's really important from an ethos perspective that we want change. We, we want to be a part of this change and our staff does. I think, you know, Ty, in the meetings that you've been a part of, like you feel it in the, in the room that people know that this is a moment that we want to look back and say, we can't believe we were even there one day you know, and we've advanced so far. So I think there's a hunger um, that really wants to change here. Yeah, and, and you mentioned, you know, clients a couple of times during the discussion. Do you find uh, there's just as much of a hunger and appetite there as it is for you guys? Absolutely. Um, and it's it's really across the board. You know, we've, um, we've been working in this space for quite some time. Um, and we've been advising clients around their DEI strategies and their approach and um, how they articulate their story around the investments they're making in DEI for, for years now. So it's also just been rewarding to see a lot of our clients who have been in this space for some time, just sort of enhancing the, the investments that they've, they've already made and, and accelerating the journey that they've been on for some time. And then you know, on the other side of that, we're working with, you know, a lot of new clients that are early on in their journey, but are as committed um, and as invested in really advancing the change that I think we're all, we're all hoping to see. So again, it's a process, right? Change takes a lot of time, especially this level of transformation that this type of work requires, um, but, but they're on the journey and I'm getting the sense that they're on the journey for the long haul. And we've certainly, from a brief perspective, have seen much more requirement of what are we doing uh, in the DEI space in this health equity story um, across brand briefs that are coming in for creative activation, uh, going beyond receptivity to hearing ideas, wanting ideas in this space, um, and really wanting to understand sort of what's the first step that we can take? Like, what, how do we do this? And I think that's a really important part of the conversation that making sure that we've got the right teams, the right counsel to bring ideas to life in a meaningful and authentic way. And then continuing that down the road. So it's not just one moment, it ends up being multiple moments as we move forward. Right, right. Great, great to hear that it's uh, happening on both sides of the client agency equation um, and uh, that you're seeing the, the momentum there. Okay, I, I promised that we talk about some of the work. I'd like to hear from you both what worker trends you're seeing in the industry and at Cannes, uh, given that it's, it's, it's the festival week, to address health equity, you know, especially, you know, we can talk about the pharma and health and wellness grands pre, uh, one of which featured tech pretty, pretty prominently, um, as well as marketing. What, what do you guys think of that? You know, it's really interesting. And first of all, why are we doing this 
in Cam. Can we do that next time, Mark? Is that okay? Yes, yes. You um, have my, uh, my blessing on that. <laughs> Perfect. To be honest, I'm a little surprised and a little disappointed in the work that we're seeing in the health equity space um, so far. I mean, it's early in the festival. We we just have health and health and wellness and pharma that have reported out, but pharma, there was really nothing. So that was interesting. In health and wellness, there was some standouts, and I do want to talk about that. Um, but, you know, from a work perspective, um, it's interesting to see what equity issues are being approached. I, I think there's some real standouts with regard to women's health, you know, when we're talking about the tampon book or, you know, wound pain stories, for example, are both really great cases. The Grand Prix um, in health and wellness was all around, you know, hiring um, workers with disabilities. And it was brilliant, called Steal Our Staff. Um, from Bico. But when it comes to sort of the racial health equity issues, we've seen some great work along a cultural line. So helping, you know, important health information get into the hands that need it. The examples are like uh, the bread exam, um, which was actually done in partnership with a grocery store chain and the Lebanese Breast Cancer Foundation. Um, and got over the cultural nuances of women not being able to talk about their bodies and used bread um, loaves as a way to help women understand um, self-examination. And so that was a really interesting case. But the standout sort of racially, you know, health equity moments, there was a case called The Call, which I think was a really important moment. It actually has a sort of like haunting impression that it leaves you with, and it was done um, on behalf of an organization called empower her new york and really what that case did was it called a nurse's helpline and they hired an actress who would do a white voice with a white name and a black voice with a black name but with the exact same issue and called several nursing lines to see what different counsel they would get from those lines and there was clear discrepancies and clear differences in the advice that um, women got um, that, that this actress received based on, you know, the way that she approached. And yes, it wasn't, you know, as rigorous as a clinical trial doing it, but it certainly was directional and very powerful in the way that this is something that's clear um, that when she used the Black voice and the Black name, she didn't get directed to go to the ER. She was told to go to urgent care, which could have long-term outcome effects. And so I think clearly racially equity issues addressed with the call. There was another case called Skin Deep as well, which won gold. It was, I was happy to see like it got such great prominence. Um, it was a clever film, a really powerful film that looked at all the coverage around racism since the 1920s till today. It's like racially powered coverage um, and use it as a backdrop to paint over it where they told um, different layers of a personal experience dealing with racism in real life. And, you know, I'm not doing it justice by describing it. It's beautiful. It's um, incredibly powerful, but really what it did is um, it talked about this idea that there's a trauma that exists because of racism and that's real. And that has impact on the way that people approach um, their healthcare. And I think in addition to some of the work in the creative and marketing space, I mean, a lot of the work that I'm doing um, with some of our pharma clients is, is heavily focused on the internal, 
you know, where they're making investments as an organization in terms of their supplier spend um, and supporting diverse businesses. Um, the investments they're making in the communities, the commitments they've made around hiring and retaining and promoting talent. And then, of course, how they tell that story internally in an effort to engage their employees in the process of driving equity from the inside out. So it's been really, again, I mean, uh, many of our clients have been on this journey for a while, but to see the heavy focus on race, racial justice specifically, um, and just a discussion of race in the workplace and with clients is something that I have not really seen in, in my career in DNI over the last nearly two decades. And so just having the discussions, having a clear focus and goal set around racial justice and representation is a huge step in the right direction. I will make one small comment about the work, though, um, that I thought was surprising. Considering that the catchment for this work was included a global pandemic, included the George Floyd moment, including the multiple other incredibly powerful racial inequity moments that have a really clear healthcare line, um, including, you know, like we've talked about, communities that, you know, have been really ravaged by COVID. There's very little work about that. And I was surprised. I thought there would be more creative, dedicated to help solving that issue. I, I, I was really surprised. And maybe we'll see it as it sort of unfolds over next year. But I mean, it feels like, you know, this was a moment that we would see more creative work in this space. Yeah, that's a really good point. And, uh, you know, last year, you know, sitting on some jury panels uh, for like some of our sister publication, PR Week and, and MMNM, we have awards too. And, you know, you saw campaigns from health systems that were inside some of those ravaged communities that was kind of geared towards stimulating demand and, and vaccination. I hear what you're saying, Peter, but wanting to see that kind of blossoming out. And, uh, you know, tied to your point, amongst, you know, your work with, with pharma on the corporate side, are you seeing boards uh, more apt to follow the lead of other Fortune 500s in tying executive pay to DE&I goals? And do you think that's some a direction that pharma and healthcare could go in? And, you know, give us, you know, your take on, on where the future is, is headed, you know, and, and whether uh, equality for all is, is reality or fantasy. Yeah. So, uh, you know, look, we've heard this this term um, quite often, but what gets measured gets done, right? And um, accountability is a huge part of advancing this work across the board in the right way. Um, we've seen over the last couple of years, some organizations tying executive pay to DNI metrics, um, bonuses, I think Sodexo is an organization that, that has had that sort of practice in place for, for quite some time and they are seeing it pay off in, in dividends and, and also in terms of um, how they're performing as a business. So I think they're a great case example for why that's important. Um, but I do think that holding leaders accountable, um, integrating DNI metrics and goals as a part of performance review evaluations, how promotion decisions are being made is critical. And again, it goes back to the point that this has to be embedded and baked into every aspect of your business, how you operate, decisions that are made um, around how products are developed, the suppliers that you partner with and, and bring on board. So um, the accountability and, and pay metrics are a key component of that. Um, in terms of where I, I um, see 
the future when it comes to, to health and, um, and equity, I, you know, I, I, I do think it's, it's a reality. Um, it requires a, a lot of hard work. I think many organizations are starting, you know, out on the right, the right path to get there. I am hopeful that we'll see that sort of sustained and ongoing commitment um, and really sort of moving from uh, DNI and equity being this kind of siloed function as, you know, this is under HR or another department um, to, again, being baked into every aspect of how businesses operate. Um, only then will we, we see real change. And I think, again, adding the metrics and the accountability is, is a key part of, of measuring success and progress over time. And I think from a company perspective, from a brand perspective, I think momentum is to, is, is just going forward. So I, I think companies are going to change the way they're doing clinical trials, are going to be thinking about real population metrics when they're building products and services that impact the real audiences that they need to reach. And I think the work is just going to continue to go this way. And uh, this is not an issue that can be solved by magic or good thoughts. You got to put in the elbow grease. We've got to get the briefs. We've got to do the work. We have to have some bravery. And I know that sounds like a weird word to use here, but there, th this idea that this issue is complex and you can stumble doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it. It means that you absolutely have to do it. And there will be some figuring it out. And I think Ty used this great phrase of there's lots to untangle. So, you know, by all means, jump in, grab a thread, let's get going. And I think there's a lot of people that a lot of different organizations and brands that could have a real impact here and they need to. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a, it's a real call to action. And, uh, you know, to that end, let's have another conversation as uh, we progress as an industry along this uh, journey toward equity and hopefully put this pandemic in the rearview mirror. Absolutely. Okay, that was Ty Wingfield and Peter Matheson-Gay from Weber Shanwick, and it was a terrific conversation. Many thanks for listening. Come back soon for another one. This is Mark Iskowitz for the MMN Podcast. Take care, everybody.